welcome to Can You Hear Me Long Beach, a production of The High Low. I'm Steve Lowry, editor of The High Low. Today we get a little newsy. Uh, the election just happened, and uh, less than 24 hours after, I'm sitting here with practically the entire staff of the Long Beach Post to talk about what happened, what didn't happen, and how long they had to wait in line to vote. Uh, if we can go around the table real quick, just so people can match up a voice with a name. Let's start with you, Jason. Uh, Jason Ruiz, and I cover uh, City Hall and other things that happen in Long Beach. I really didn't ask for your life story, but that's <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Rivera, and I was at the 6th District Council race. Melissa Evans. God, I'm paranoid. I'm going to say too much. <laughs> She's the managing editor over there. Uh, David Summers, office manager. <laughs> he's, he's the publisher, Janitor. which means he washes the dishes. Tim Grobeady. I went home before the polls. Cl- I was in bed before the, when the polls closed. <laughs> so uh, it strikes me as someone who also went home before the polls closed. There were two, to me, big stories maybe we start with. Number one, absolutely nothing got accomplished as far as the candidates went. It seemed like everything was 50-50. And voting was a nightmare for people. Who wants to start with whatever? Uh, well, yeah. So I'm I'm a vote by mail vote by mail voter, but I wanted to try out the you know the iPad uh, system. Got to the, the Walter Pyramid. I was told that it was going to be 1.5 to two, and I said minutes, and no, he said hours, and I said okay, I'm going to fill this out in line. So I I didn't have to wait in line, but I did go in and see the labyrinth of the line that was inside the Walter Pyramid, and I. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't know how you wait. I would had I not had a vote by mail ballot, I would not have voted yesterday. I just I can't wait two hours to do that, and I don't know that a lot of people in the city can. Steph, isn't the point of the technology to make it easier so that more people want to vote? Doesn't this have the exact opposite effect? Yes, because we were also hearing about paper jams, um, people that were walking away with their ballot before letting it uh, suck it back in. So they, it was a lot of issues. But what did the what did Dean Logan say about all of that? The challenging day. It was a challenging day. <laughs> so what was the reason for the well, delays? I think, I think the county vastly miscalculated. They had this eleven day window starting on February twenty second where people c- could vote. And I think they miscalculated the fact that a lot of people, they thought a lot of more people were going to vote ahead of time. But it turns out a lot of people, I think, want to vote on Election Day. Mm-hmm. I'd like to come yeah. to the defense of the county. This, what's, what we've been through, there were challenges. But what we are also experiencing is a generational, once in a generation change in, in the fundamental aspect of how we vote. Every single thing about how we vote is new from the technology to the process to the locations. And and with great change is going to come great challenges. There were challenges, there were lines, but having worked with Dean Logan for a decade, this is a guy running the largest local elections office who is is one of the great thinkers of, of his his group across the nation. And what they're doing is in addition to not only rolling out this new technology, you have to change the culture of how people think about voting. Because even though we had vote centers that were open for 11 days and vote centers that were open for four days, there were locations around the county that were open for 24 hours. People still have a culture of you vote on election day. Mm -hmm. You go to the polls on election day. There are a quarter of the polling locations. Instead of 4,000 poll center, poll locations, we now had 1,000 vote centers. So there are going to be lines. There are going to be challenges. We're going to learn from this. It's going to get better. 
but we had to build a completely new voting ecosystem for essentially every challenge and every type of voter that's out there across every uh, every every type of of socioeconomic issue that anyone might have had. So there's opportunities to grow and learn. So my question would be is, was this election the appropriate exactly. one to try this, it out on? This was a big election. <laughs> and, maybe, and like maybe, Jason said, you know, a lot of people probably walked away, which is yeah. a shame. Maybe two years from now would have been more appropriate, an off-cycle, non-presidential election. Well, there's something quaint about going to your polling place on election day. I used to do it with my kids, my wife, uh, all the time. This year, I voted on Saturday, and there was nobody there. I, just, I almost didn't think I voted. <laughs> I just, <laughs> the guy just says, yeah, put it over there, and I put it over there, and I was done. Yeah. Um, that was the it, trash it, can. Right. <laughs> but I mean, what, you know, you, you watch it on TV and it's not just California. All, all the states have these two, three, four, five hour waits. And, and my wife and I were just saying, why would you do that when you can vote by mail? And it's, it, I don't know, it wasn't hard for me. Uh, probably you think there's because, any concern that this is be like a bad restaurant that somebody who had to wait two or three hours might never go back again, certainly in November? Yeah, it didn't do well on Yelp. Yeah, exactly. well, we're, we're, we're $300 million into our new voting technology. We're, the, the restaurant's not going to shut down. We're, <laughs> this is where we're having dinner, whether we like it or not. Well, the, 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 the business partners are investigating it. Uh, the uh, board uh, put out a press release about 20 minutes ago saying that they're looking into what went wrong and they're demanding changes before November. I don't know what the changes will be, um, I mean, outside of telling people and, and pleading with them to please not only vote on election day, yeah. I don't see how, if, if you have a quarter of the sites, you have to have people vote on other days. Otherwise, you're going to have the same disaster as we had yesterday. Let's talk about the results, which, as I mentioned, there weren't a lot of results because we're going to have a lot of runoff elections. It just seems like Long Beach, I wonder, is there any way, Timmy, we can figure out what city has the most elections? Because it seems like Long Beach has an election like every three months. Yeah, yeah. We have elections about when the next election is going to be. <laughs> now, the one that got me was the vice mayor, Dee Andrews, who's been around forever. Um, of, of the three incumbents, all who will be in runoffs, he seems by far in the weakest position. He, he got about 29% of the vote. He's at 30% now. Um, his his top challenger, Suli Saro, is at 40, 43%. Um, and yeah, I think what some folks were saying is that he really depended on the Cambodian vote, which had helped him in previous elections, his uh, previous three. But this time with Suli Saro really um, activating those Cambodian voters, um, I think it kind of, he lost track or he just didn't expect that. And I had, a, I had a conversation with somebody about an hour ago, and I asked about D uh, or which incumbent was in the most trouble, and their answer was, was that the, uh, the machine, which is the, everybody, you know, D was endorsed by the mayor and nearly all of the sitting council, uh, council members, that the machine had their irons in too many fires. So now that there are less fires to have the irons in, that they'll be able to run a more effective campaign going forward. I don't know if that closes a 14% gap, um, but they're confident that D and Al uh, will have a better showing uh, between now and November. Well, I was going to ask you, do you think D can actually close that? I mean, he has like eight months. It's an incredible amount of time. But is he, is it, is the writing kind of on the wall or do you think this thing is actually still 
competitive. I think it's still up in the air. I think we have to be aware of of the growing influence of outside labor groups in in city politics. Um, we saw in, in our newsroom wrote extensively about the huge influx of money coming in t- to the sixth district and the eighth district in particular. And there is, well, no one will say that there's implicit, well, you know, you, you, you buy a candidate. There is an expectation that you are the labor candidate. Well, we have several labor friendly, the incumbent in the eighth district, Al Austin has worked his entire career as a labor advocate, working for unions. But you had outside union groups, particularly the hospitality group, Unite, uh, that put a ton of money into that race. Uh, a lot of labor money is coming into the city. So I think that what we're seeing is a change of of labor trying to grow their influence in the city of Long Beach, not just the city of LA or the county of LA, because there is a lot of money here. There are a lot of hotels. There's a lot of influence. There are a lot of people here. And if you get six consistent votes on city council, you can essentially control the agenda. And they have consi- they have reliable labor votes. They're trying to make sure that they have uh, that majority going forward. And it's going to be interesting to see as, as the general election and these runoffs shape up to see how much labor money comes into those runoffs, particularly if it's Tanua against Allen the 8th mm. and with Suli and, and Deeg in the 6th. Now, one race that doesn't involve an incumbent is a really interesting one, which is um, Cindy Allen. And Robert Fox, who are basically in a dead heat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that, yes. <laughs> uh, and what did Terrell Owens say? Get your, get your popcorn ready. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jason's um, a Cowboys fan. I am a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that race is going to be interesting as we were talking about um, throughout the day was that you, you typically when you boil it down to two uh, people in a runoff, the remaining people usually have a little bit of power in saying where their votes, not that they can make the people who voted for them vote for somebody else, but if they endorse, which is what we're seeing on the national level, generally speaking, those voters will move over. However, I'm struggling to find a bridge between the people who were eliminated last night and the people who are remaining because you have a machine ex-cop candidate who has been alleged to not live in the city Mm -hmm. uh, versus a landlord who is, at least uh, on Twitter, uh, nearly unanimously hated Mm -hmm. amongst the left wing of the Democratic Party. So they're both Democrats. Um, I, I don't see the two pro- progressive people who were eliminated last night building a bridge. Mm. Maybe there is a bridge to build, be built, but I don't know how that starts. With those two candidates, and I'm going to use a technical term here, Timmy, that race seemed particularly snippy, little <laughs> yeah. cranky. What? What's? What? what why? This is, a, a, this is a brutal campaign season. By the time November comes around, they'll, they'll have been campaigning for literally a year. You know, and it's and for a city council seat, right? Yeah, there's no, there's no money in it. It just seems like now we're perpetually running for office. Whether mm-hmm. it's not just the presidency anymore, it's just one constant campaign. They're constantly fundraising. Yeah, even when they're in office, they're just fundraising and fundraising and fundraising because they amended uh, a city chart, the city law uh, surrounding who they could give money to. So if I donated money to Tim, who's a sitting council person. Mm. It used to be the case that he'd have Popular. to, yeah, he'd have to, I'd give him a whole $5, right. maybe 10. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he'd have to hold on to that. Now they're able, they increased the limits. I, th- I believe they tripled the limits that you could have in your city council uh, office holder account. And to, uh, they said to put it in accordance with state law, which was actually Citizens United, they can, candidates, Tim could take the money that I gave him and donate it to you if you were running for state senate or oh. assembly. So, they're fundraising because it's money that they can give to other candidates if they choose. It's like putting money in the general fund. A little bit. And that's uh, what people voted on yesterday, right? Measure A. Measure A. And how's that doing? We're still waiting to find out. It's, teetering. Yeah, yeah, teetering is the word. All it needs yeah. is a, uh, uh, 50 and 1. That's all it needs? Yeah, it was at 49.97%. 46 votes, right? Yeah, which is extraordinary. Uh, There were over 50,000 votes cast for and against it. And to be within that that close, I I am fully expecting that it will ultimately pass, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to be by much. And the other thing is that if it does fail... It is so close at this point that we could absolutely expect that it comes back around. I don't know if they could do it as soon as November, but it would come back again. The city needs that continuous funding source to bond against, uh, to keep our tax revenue local. Uh, This is not the end of Measure A if this is the end of Measure A. But not only does the city need it, it needs it to, if it does pass, it needs it to pass before any other county or local measure passes because... The, it was a race to get certified. So the way, the reason why it was put on this ballot mm-hmm. was because the city was fearful that the county might come up with a tax measure or the SQS, one of the regulatory agencies, I can't come up with the acronym right now, one of them, the ones with lots of letters, were going to come up with a, with a tax that would have supplanted Measure A if it were to have lapsed for even six months. So they need it to pass before another tax passes. Otherwise, the, essentially, the one that passes first is the one that will take hold once the current measure A phases out, which is in 2027. 20, there's, a, there's a cap on sales tax. And so whoever's like first at the trough yeah. gets it mm. because we can't, you don't just keep compounding sales tax on sales tax. There's a finite limit and we're already there. So if this doesn't, if we don't keep this money here, it's going to go somewhere else. Somebody else is going to bring a bond measure and get it, and we won't have it here for local uses. If Jason's explanation was confusing, again, he's a Cowboys fan. (laughs) Measure B, which ostensibly says it's there to raise money for the arts, though in our story we pointed out no one's saying exactly which arts is getting how much money, but anyways, uh, that seems to have passed, right? That's Mm -hmm. doing okay. Pretty comfortable. We all like the arts. Yay, arts. Pretty comfortable. Yeah. But, it, but it's also more than just arts. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's for the arts, but it's also an investment in the convention center. Mm-hmm. The convention center is one of the largest drivers of our local economy up there with the port, with the airport. Uh, the convention center and the, the business that, brings in, that, that it brings in is significant uh, to the city and to the region. And the convention center does have a backlog of deferred maintenance that we need to address. But then you also have to continuously invest in it to keep it uh, trendy, to keep it drawing folks in, because we are not a tier one convention market. We're not San Francisco. We're not San Diego. And so one of the things that separates us is we have an amazing facility over there. So having money to be able to bond against, to repair, to invest, to upgrade, that's an important component of Measure B. It seems whenever there's an election, (laughs) 
It really comes down to a referendum on one person, and that would be Mayor Robert Garcia. Just every time it's, when we run a story, people will not say vote against Measure A. They'll say vote against Robert Garcia because he wants this. And he usually makes it known which candidates he favors and which he doesn't. So how did Tuesday go for the mayor? Well, Kamala, to... Kamala already dropped out. So. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, I mean, do you want to start at the school board level? Did he, did he endorse at the school board level? I don't think he gave a shout out for that. I know he endorsed Al. Okay. And so Al Austin, I'm sorry, we're right. so we're so comfortable with our uh, political yes. uh, representatives here. We go on a first name basis. Al Austin, the mm-hmm. eighth district council person, who looks like he's going to be in the runoff. Um, the sixth. He endorsed D in the sixth, mm-hmm. and then Cindy, Cindy. in the yeah. second. Cindy Allen, right? Who also definitely does not own us. No. Still. Yes. No. Yes. That's uh, yeah. It's a little inside joke, right? She's still on display. I wasn't here when she owned us, so whatever. But people always want us to mention that. So yes, yes she's still she on the Long Beach own, Post. She does not own the Long Beach Post, right? Um, so I mean, <laughs> all all three of the council candidates that he endorsed are likely headed to a November uh, runoff, right? He endorsed uh, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. who's also headed toward. Something. <laughs> that was like and his fifth pr- pick for president, though. It was It was the fifth pick. <laughs> right. And uh, Measure A, he was essentially the face, the poster boy yeah. of all of the posters that mm-hmm. were sent to people over the last, what, six months? Mm-hmm. I think that, what did we say, 46 votes? That's It's down. I probably got about 46 mailers about right. Measure A last week. He usually does pretty well in elections since, since I've been at this. Uh, He's pay- been undefeated. Yeah. yeah. In, in terms of ballot measures, um, he's got a record that's like something out of the devil's advocate, uh, you know, that, that to have a flawless record of every ballot measure that he's brought forward um, is remarkable. And people take note of that. In, in Democratic operative community, you take note of an elected official that can essentially get anything that he backs passed. And it's still possible that Measure A could pass. It, it, we've talked about that it's not that far behind at this point, and there's still a lot of votes to cast. So, David, you have a political background. So, Garcia's ability to get what he wants passed, is that because he's just really good at taking the temperature of the room and knowing what kind of people want even before they do? Or is he just really good at convincing people of, of what they want? He is a numbers guy. Uh, he, he, he loves polling. He loves to dig into polling. He loves to use polling data uh, to guide the strategy. Uh, he has polled extensively on these measures uh, recently. Uh, earlier, he's polled extensively on the races. Um, e- even though we think that there are some surprises in, in how things happen, these are still within what, so, what the polls, the poll modeling shows are, are, is likely to happen. Uh, nothing's ever easy, but he, he does things that he does informed through a lot of data and numbers. Is he, I'm just curious about the mayor. We probably get a skewed view here because we get people who are, are kind of a lot of gadflies and very politically motivated. So we see a lot of negative stuff about the mayor. And yet, as David points out, he gets whatever he wants done, done. Would you say, if someone asked you, is Robert Garcia popular in Long Beach, what would you say? Well, he is. He is popular. Yeah. And like you say, all we hear is people down on, most of the social media people just say he's a crook and bad for the city and everything else, but he clearly is popular. Um, he wins elections easily. He gets all the things that he wants done. 
And the, the loudest voices in the room don't necessarily represent no. the, the widest ar array. We, you know, we got access to some polling results in the second council district a couple months ago, a poll that was uh, on the surface was, was paid for and branded by the, the police union. Um, and it had a lot of interesting information about the second district, not just the candidates, but they also asked about people's opinions about civic institutions. And the mayor in the second district, which is much of downtown, the port, and then kind of the central city, Alamitos Beach, up to the corner of 10th and Redondo, the mayor is the second most popular institution in the second district after only the Queen Mary. <laughs> and so the mayor's endorsement, he had like a 66, 67% approval rating in the second district, which is extraordinary. Yeah. And that meant that whomever he endorsed, whomever he put his support behind was going to get a natural bump just by being within that sphere of influence of Robert's popularity in the second district. Mm. Yeah. And, and my, my silence wasn't like purposeful. I was just trying to re remove myself from that bubble that you were speaking mm -hmm. of because- I exist in a bubble where there are people who think very fondly of the mayor, but also mm -hmm. people who think very negatively of the mayor. But I think when you're talking about like the average Long Beach resident who not even in the second district, just all throughout, I have friends all throughout. I think they have a generally positive view of the mayor. Well, they see him at comic book stores and mm -hmm. in social media. He's one of the most social media savvy mayors. I think he's gotten recognized that way too. So I think that's a major point as well. But also there's a lot of cool things that are happening in the city and whether or not the executive, whether or not, you know, the United States of America, the president rides a wave of a good economy. Mm -hmm. The mayor is uh, not to say that he doesn't deserve it, but he's riding a wave of success that maybe, you know, Bob Foster didn't have mm. because he dealt with the recession. By the way, I want to encourage you to remove yourself whenever possible, especially in From my the presence room? or just whenever <laughs> I am. Um, finally, uh, elections are also a fun time to go out and have a party or two. So where were you guys at and what'd you see? Uh, go ahead. Oh, um, I started off um, at Sully's, um, which was at a seafood restaurant, Cambodian Seafood in Cambodia Town. It was very fun. It looked like there was, um, I missed that part, but Thomas, our photographer, was there when they were doing karaoke. There was live music, <laughs> um, just speakers. It was a nice, lively um, space. It was a real party. Yeah, it was a real party. It was, I think, at least over 50, maybe 100. But then Dee's party was not so much? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got there at the tail end. Um, there was probably a dozen people. It was at the Long Beach Marriott, um, walked in, there was a Trump little party going on before that. Um, but yeah, I was there, not a lot of people, I guess it ended at 10, but you know, on his way out, I was asking for a comment. He said, no comment. He was going home. So mm. I don't know what mm. that meant. Do you think we'll look back at, at Suli's, um, candidacy as being, um, I, I was in Orange County when I remember the Vietnamese community finally came to itself and just said, oh, you know what? We've got strength. Let's start pushing. And all of a sudden one candidate or, uh, uh, you know, a political figure turned into a lot. Is this going to be, are we going to look back as this being very significant in Long Beach? Yes. I mean, she's, I believe, the third um, Cambodian American to run for a council seat in Long Beach. Um, the first one was in the mid-90s, Sandy Blankenship, I, I want to say, and then um, Anthony came in the mid-2000s. Um, but this one seems like very united among the Cambodian votes. And I think she's part of a big wave that started in the 2018, uh, where just Cambodians are really finding their political voice. And so it's going to be interesting to see. Mm. Jason, where were you at? I was up in Bixby Knowles, yeah. and the uh, the 
contestants were nice enough to situate themselves all within about a half mile of each other. So I spent a lot of my night walking up and down Atlantic, mm. probably looking lost. Um, but you do that a lot, right? I, I yeah. do that a lot. Just yeah. from time to time, I'll go and drop into a, a, an avenue and just walk around like I don't know where I'm going. Nice. Um, so I started off at Wanavaya's party, and there was a lot of people there. Um, it was at the at the start of the night where he was doing very well. Um, when I woke up in the morning, he had dropped from a pretty comfortable second place lead to now he's chasing by about 160 votes. Um, Mediterranean place, lots of hummus. Um, <laughs> I went over to, uh, after that, I went to, to Lola's on Atlantic, which is where the incumbent Al Austin uh, was having his party. I They closed early. I think that was the earliest place that closed last night. So everybody was kind of like, leaving I, he'd already given a, a statement and i uh, you know i sat down with him and talked for a little bit um while everybody kind of just hung out and slowly made their way out and then i finally hit the knolls which uh, according to yelp was open way past their closing time uh and that was for tanua thrash intux uh, party who's now in second place and that was more of like a dinner I guess there were a lot of people there, um, yeah. but it wasn't like the, it was set up like with the tables and the chairs. There wasn't there weren't any karaoke parties or. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people there. I'm just curious, Melissa, you've been listening in on this. You want to summarize uh, what's been said here? <laughs> what? <laughs> Take a call. Um, we've got eight months until another one of these. So what what happens now? Do people go back, lick their wounds, re-strategize? Do they hit the campaign trail tomorrow? What's going to happen? We've kind of overlooked Daryl Superna, who doesn't have to do a damn thing. Mm. He's just uh, yeah. running unopposed. and You know what? By the way— And I'm, he sounds so relaxed when you talk to him. He sounds like Bing Crosby. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm having a good time. This is an easy election for me. I was going to ask— is you, it, leave, you leave my councilman alone. <laughs> Is it a surprise that Alan Lowenthal is in a is in a um, a runoff? Yeah, I mean there were he got primaried by like nineteen different Democrats. Um, so I mean he almost cleared fifty, right? Oh, even even with all those people, it wasn't nineteen, but it was yeah. a lot. Um, it's not surprising. He typically goes to a runoff, right? I we feel still, like he, we still probably won't write a word about him. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, and it's not because he's not, not the worried. nicest man on the planet. Yeah, he's going to. I mean, you're saying he is the nicest man on the planet, even though he is the nicest yeah. man on the planet. He's going to utterly destroy whoever he's running against in November. Oh, okay. Just historically speaking, it just seemed like all the other congressmen I saw in the area who are the sitting Democrat just blew their competition away. I don't think that they had a lot of people primarying though from not mm. the left, but from their own party. I could be wrong, but low and, low and, low, this is Long Beach. The 47th district is a stronghold for Allen. Melissa, we were just saying, so you're the one who's in charge of setting up our election coverage. So d does this just keep going on or, or will they start campaigning immediately or are they going to take a break and can we all go on with our lives? I don't know. This is weird because it's a long time mm -hmm. between, I don't think we've ever had this situation before where it's, which, by the way, I think the change to having aligned our elections with the primary and with the general election is yeah. a good thing. I think it's a really good thing because turnout's going to be better and more people are going to come out and vote. But, man, we've got a long time to go. California primary used to be in June, right? It was in June. Yeah, yeah. It, it was June. in um, 
It, was, it used to be in June. It, it was this early yeah. at one point in 2008. It was this early. Mm. Then it, it moved back. Uh, but then it uh, in 2018, it was kicked back uh, through a legislative bill that was signed by Governor Brown at that time. You know, and just going back to David's point about the union money, I just think this is going to probably, the maybe the downside is going to be a lot of money being poured into these races. So it's incredible. I'm thinking particularly about the 8th for some reason, but... I'm sure the sixth as well. I don't. I don't know that that's an issue. The second is interesting because, like Jason said, there's not. There's these two kind of. Well, I, you know, I don't want to describe them in any way because yeah. it's difficult. They're not. But, yeah, they're not traditional. But they're union not candidates. left. They're not far. You know, and Janine Pierce was kind of way on that. It's a. It's a left leaning district. Mm-hmm. So it'll it's be left leaning. But then there's also. You can look at it as what are the consistent pro labor. There are there are votes on the council that you can expect will almost always vote with with labor, and with the two folks that are in the runoff in the second district, for example, I'm not so sure. I yeah. I, I don't know enough know, about yeah. them to say that either one of those folks would ever be a vote for I labor. Agree. Then you look at the fourth district. You look at the third. You look at the fifth. Labor wants to get to the goal of having a supermajority on council. How are you going to get those six votes? Where are you going to get them from? I think the more immediate thing that we're going to see, uh, yeah, it's going to be long and exhausting to get to November. Mm. But the next couple of weeks, I think, are going to be long and exhausting. This election doesn't have to be certified until April 3rd. Yeah, this election is not over. I think mm. that's it worth is, pointing out. It is not over. When you have Measure A failing by 46 votes out of over 50,000 in cast, and then you look at how close the 8th district runoff spot is, we have these elections that are not going to be decided today or tomorrow. It could be weeks before we know for sure whether Measure A failed or not who's going into the runoff in some of these races. Uh, the next few weeks are going to be busy. I'm tired. <laughs> Let's take a nap. <laughs> Go back to bed. Like I said, Together. remove yourself. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. You feel smarter? I think I feel smarter. Yeah, the nice thing is we got about eight months to think about it. Can you hear me? Long Beach is a production of the Long Beach Post. Publisher is David Summers. Managing editor is Melissa Evans. Uh, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud or Google or Apple, you know you can always subscribe, and that way we just show up kind of magically, and uh, you can listen away. Uh, you can also please hit us up on uh, whatever social media you use to kind of access us and let us know what you like and what you don't like. I mean, we we actually pay attention, as you probably noticed from our election coverage. We uh, it's kind of what we do. So uh, give us a hello and uh, let us know what you think. Um, the song you hear right now is called Paid in Cocaine. It's by the Mountain Goats, and it is played through the permission of the fine people at Merge Records. Anyways, uh, we'll talk to you at the next election eight months from now, but in between then, I'm sure something else is going to happen. And if it's happening in your neck of the woods, hit us up on social media. Kind of lonely, and we miss you. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.